Well, you brought a Bible, say amen, and I'd invite you to open it with me to the book of Acts in the New Testament, Acts chapter 8. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're glad that you're here. Our church has been talking about how to be spiritually fit. That's kind of been our entire mantra for the whole year, talking about how to move forward together in our walks with the Lord Jesus. Now, as a church body, it is absolutely essential that we understand our mission. That is, why we exist, why we are here, why we gather together. So over the past month, the month of July, we've been talking specifically about our mission as a New Testament church. Now, Good news is we don't have to make up a mission. God gives us the mission through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so we are called to make disciples everywhere. Now, as we look at a disciple, we talk about a disciple's heart. Uh, You know the heart inside your chest has four chambers. Very important that during this uh, worship service, all four chambers are pumping blood. Amen? Because if one closes up, it won't be good for you. And I can't. I am a doctor, but I can't do nothing for you. All right? I'll pray for you. But anyway, so very important that all four chambers are open and they're pumping blood. Well, the spiritual heart has four chambers as well. We have identified those chambers as the four words that you see up here on the board. You've got worship, reach, grow, and serve. Last week, we talked about worship. Talk Talked about how ultimately we need to be able to answer the question in our lives, are we surrendering to the Holy Spirit? So the Spirit of God, and I like how Bill Bright said it, the Spirit of God sits upon the throne of our heart. And the question is, are we submitting to his leadership? And as we submit and surrender to him, that is an attitude and an activity of worship. So that honors God. But then as we go and we look at the second chamber, we're looking this morning at the reach chamber chamber. And the major question that we want to ask of ourselves is, are we as individuals submitting and surrendering to God's mission? So somebody's like, what is the mission? Well, Jesus told you and I what we're supposed to do. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus basically says to you and I, go out and tell people about me so that they might become my followers as well. Now, essential in the disciple-making process is that we are a team here at Concord, and we as a team have to be made up of individuals who are intentionally pursuing relationships to share the Lord Jesus Christ. So think about that for just a moment. Question, are y'all listening? Say yes. Is there someone in your life that you are on purpose getting to know so that you can share the gospel of Christ with them? Is there an individual that you are intentionally seeking to build a relationship with so that you might share the good news of Jesus Christ and they might repent of their sin and come to faith in the Lord? Are you seeking to make disciples? Now, here in our church body, you know, we've got our worship chamber. Well, the ministry is designed for a time of worship like you're in this morning. Time of worship where we can corporately come together and we can meet with God. How many of you came to meet God this morning? Amen. You want to talk to God. You want to hear from the Lord. So that's why you came this morning. But also our ministry is designed so that our Sunday school ministry in the adult arena is actually a reaching arm of the church. So I could say it to you like this. Your Sunday school class, adults, is a small missions agency 
helping and designed to reach those who are far from God. So if you're not involved in a small group Sunday school class, then I want to encourage you vehemently to get involved so that you as a class can strategically begin to uh, reach out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, there's nothing more encouraging to me as a pastor uh, to, than to hear from a Sunday school class that is being intentional. They share about how they're reaching out to a family in their neighborhood, how they're reaching out with the gospel. That encourages me because that's what we're supposed to be doing. So there's nothing much more exciting than that. Now, our major influence for living the Christian life is Jesus. Y'all believe that? <laughs> Say yes. That was rocket science, wasn't it? Major influence for Christian living is Jesus. So as Christians, we ought to be following Jesus Christ. Now, since we're his disciples, his followers, his willing learners, it means literally that we learn from his life and his ministry. And there is absolutely no doubt when studying the life of Jesus Christ that his life was massively involved in reaching others. You know, Jesus spoke about himself in Luke's gospel, chapter 19 and verse 10, where he says that the Son of Man has actually come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, the lost are those who are outside of the faith. They are individuals who are far from God. They don't have a relationship with the Lord. So you may be in the building this morning and you are far from God. You don't have a relationship with him. You don't know him personally. Well, good news for you. Jesus said, those are the kind of people I'm looking for. So he is going after those who are outside of the faith. Now, Jesus called his first disciples, and he encouraged them in Matthew 4 and 19. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, think about it. Most of these disciples spent their entire life fishing for fish, but now they're called to go and fish for men. So it's an entirely different new calling upon their life. You know, one author notes this, and I quote, when we spend time with Jesus, are y'all listening? Say yes, because this is an awesome statement, so pay close attention. When we spend time with Jesus, when the Holy Spirit resides within us, we cannot help but care about what he cares about. We start caring, or caring rather, about what really matters. He says that is the mission, the cause of Christ. The mission is people. See, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord, Jesus Christ, cares about people, cares about their eternal destination. And if you and I are following Christ and we are uh, disciples of him, then our hearts should emulate his heart. And if he cares for people, then we ought to care for people. So we ought to be after him. You know, the Lord actually empowers all of his disciples to be his witnesses to those who are far from God. In fact, just listen to this statement. This is awesome. It's in Acts 1 and verse 8. We're going to get to our text in here in just a moment. But the Bible says, Jesus speaking, this is awesome. Look at the preacher eyeball to eyeball. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, uh, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So the Lord Jesus, who is ascending into the heavens, promises the disciples, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God will bear witness to who I am. And as such, literally, they became, that is the first disciples, became his representatives on earth, sharing with those who were far from God how they could know the Lord. The very first sermon preached for the New Testament church was preached by the apostle Peter. It was about a 10-minute sermon. 
Y'all like them sermons, don't you? No. But anyway, so, uh, but he preached for about 10 minutes and he preached on the death of Jesus, his burial, and his resurrection. And the Bible says, listen to what the Bible says concerning those who were listening. The Bible says in Acts 137, when they heard this, they were pierced in their heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, they're like, brethren, tell us what we need to do. In other words, they were so overwhelmed that Jesus Christ had died on the cross for their sin and was buried and resurrected. They're like, just tell us what to do. And Peter said, repent and follow Christ and be baptized. And so he encouraged them uh, concerning those particular points. And from that point forward in um, the book of Acts, we find that the church began to grow. See, in Acts chapter 1 through Acts chapter 7, we see the birth of the New Testament church. And then in Acts chapter 8 through Acts chapter 12, we see the church is enlarged outside of Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria. And then in Acts chapter 13 through 18, we see the church is expanding rapidly and actually ministering to the entire known earth in that particular time. So the Holy Spirit empowered the New Testament church to reach those who are far from God. Can y'all look at the preacher just a quick, real quick, real quick. Eyeball to eyeball. Y'all paying attention? Say, yeah. This is huge. Listen, when the Holy Spirit is controlling your life, you will always magnify the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So when the Spirit of God takes control of your life, you will be shocked how concerned you are about those who do not know the Lord. You will desire to share the gospel with those who are far from the Lord. Now, as we at Concord follow Jesus, we will find our hearts begin to emulate His heart. So His heart was for reaching people. So we follow Him. Our heart's going to be for reaching people as well. You know, there was an individual, uh, not here, but uh, at another church that I preached at, and they said, I, I can't take much of the preaching because it's too evangelistic. It's like he's always telling people to get saved. You got that right. That, that's what we do, man. I like Spurgeon. He said, any text in the scripture I take, then I run to the cross. So every time we give an opportunity for people to make a decision to follow the Lord Jesus. So if anybody up in here don't like it, talk to the Lord. <laughs> Y'all still my friends say, yeah. Y'all uh, look at your Bible and stand with me if you will. Acts chapter 8, verse 25. Y'all got it there in front of you. Say amen. This is awesome. Now, I'm going to read the entire uh, passage, but stick with it. Then we'll kind of unpack some of it. The Bible says, when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's a desert road. So he got up and he went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch in a a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how would I unless somebody guides me in? He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture uh, which he was reading, was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, as a lamb before its shearers is silent. He does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? 
for this life is removed from the earth. Then the eunuch uh, answered Philip and said, well, please tell me, of whom does this prophet say this? Is he speaking about himself or someone else? Verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from the scripture, notice what he did. He preached Jesus to him. And they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, some water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, well, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered a chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. Philip, as well as the eunuch, and he was baptized. And they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotas, and he, Azotas, that's just north of Lula. And he passed through and kept preaching the gospel to all of the cities until he came to Caesarea. Let's bow together. Father, take your word, put it in our heart, and change us. Draw people to salvation this morning, and then, I mean, send us out with a mission uh, to share the gospel. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So what is the text teaching us uh, about reaching out? A couple of truths that I want to give you this morning. First of all, it is teaching us that you are part of God's strategy. Now, whenever I say you, I'm talking about you as an individual. So just for a moment, pretend I'm pointing directly at you, and I want to tell you something. You are part of God's strategy. Now, from the beginning, God has had a heart to reach out. He was, listen, God was the first missionary in the Bible. When Adam and Eve sinned, God came to them in the garden. And then also we know God through creation declares his existence. God gave us a human conscience to convict us when we break his divine law. God's doing all of this because he is pursuing humanity. God, the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, has also set eternity in our hearts. That is, people actually have a desire to live forever. They have a desire even to worship. And you'll notice this Ethiopian unit went to Jerusalem to worship, but he didn't even know Christ. So why does he have that desire? Because God put eternity in his heart. Now, according to Acts 17 and 26, God has actually determined the time frame in which a person would be born. So your birthday was not planned by your parents. It was planned by God. And then the Bible also teaches in Acts chapter 17 that he actually determined the place in which you would be born. So God determined the time frame in which you'd be born, and he also determined the place in which you would be born. But why so much significance? Why so much care? Well, the Bible says, so that you would seek God. If perhaps you might reach out and find him, for he is not far from each one of us. That's what the Bible says in Acts 17 and verse 27. So God also, listen, I'm just trying to tell you how he is coming after you. He has pursued humanity through Christ, and he came to display his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died on the cross for us. God now, through the New Testament church, is delivering the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who are far from God. So some of you, you're far from the Lord. You don't have a relationship with him. You showed up to church this morning. And you're like, this guy's talking about heaven. He's talking about hell, talking about coming to Christ. Uh, why am I here? Because God wanted you here. So God systematically and strategically brought you into the building. This weren't your idea. God is setting the stage so that you might hear the gospel and respond, Lord willing, by faith and repentance. So you and I as disciples of Jesus Christ, you and I, are y'all with me say yes? You and I as disciples, we are, listen, a part of God's strategy to reach those 
with the gospel. Now, we see this further uh, with clarity as we look at the life of Philip. Philip uh, served the body of Christ uniquely in the book of Acts. Uh, but we see here that Philip, and just a little background about that verse 25 and some other verses prior to it, Philip was actually sitting on the front row of a spiritual awakening of many people. Many people were coming to faith in Jesus. I mean, it was like the place to be. God was erupting the place. Uh, salvation was springing up from the ground. Awesome place to be. But then the Lord interrupts him and captures his attention to get him to leave that front row of spiritual awakening and go out to a desert place. So you see this in your Bible. Verse 26, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This was a desert road. So the Bible says that the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Somebody's like, what does it mean that the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip? It means the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. So Philip was fixing to leave the front row of Grace Awakening and participate, listen, participate in God's strategic plan to draw this Ethiopian eunuch to faith. And what an awesome picture this is. You see, the Lord is working even when you and I are not aware of it. So he is in the process of pursuing humanity with his great love. So even this morning, in the context of me preaching, God's been working all week on some of you. So the Lord, and that's why I have such confidence when I come and preach. It's like, listen, it ain't all up to me, man. God is at work. God's been working in some of your lives. So God brought some of you here this morning so that you might hear the message and be saved. And God was working in this Ethiopian eunuch. And because the Lord strategically set in motion that the gospel is to pour forth from the New Testament church, God made sure that he had a witness at the appropriate place for the appropriate time in this Ethiopian's life. Verse 27, he got up and went. There was an, and by the way, if an angel of the Lord tells you to do something, you do it. <laughs> so it's like, he didn't even argue, he got up and went. Can I get a witness on that one? And the Bible says, you know, he went to this Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Look at the preacher. Did y'all hear what he was reading? Somebody said that loud. What was he reading? Good night. He was reading Isaiah. Uh, Philip ain't even on the scene yet. But God is already speaking to this man's heart. Verse 29, then the Spirit of the Lord said, uh, Go up and join this chariot. So Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, uh, Do you understand what you're reading? Which that's a good evangelistic line, isn't it? I mean, you got a picture for just a moment a regular car. Y'all with me? And some dude's just driving, and all of a sudden God tells you to pop up at the window. Do you understand what you're reading? Do that to me, I dare you. I had one choker knock on the door of our car one time while we were driving. Scared me to death, man. I saw a homeboy coming up through the rearview mirror. I couldn't get to lock all doors fast enough. Are y'all listening? It's like, lock them. Chris is like, there's a man. I know, honey. Look forward. <laughs> He's just trying to tell me my tire was flat. I said, man, I know that. <laughs> Somebody left an R back there. 
So that's what he does. He pops up on his chair. He's like, you understand what you're reading? Look at verse 31. He said, well, how could I unless somebody guides me? Unless somebody teaches me is what he's getting at. He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter and as a lamb before his shears is silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation for his life is removed from earth? Now, notice this. The Ethiopian unit was reading Isaiah chapter 53. Uh, what is that about? Isaiah 53 is the prophecy, listen, of Jesus Christ's birth, his life, his substitutionary death on the cross, and his resurrection. So w w wait a minute, is God strategic? You bet your life he is. God's like having this man read Isaiah's prophecy about his son who died on the cross for his sin and was resurrected. That was written over 600 years prior to Christ's coming. <laughs> So he shows up, verse 34, the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does this prophet say all of this, of himself or of someone else? And uh, you can imagine at this moment, Philip salivating at an opportunity to share the gospel with him. I mean, it's just a wide open door. Verse 35, Philip opened his mouth. What did he do? Somebody say it. Somebody in here, what did he do? He opened his mouth. What did he do? Yeah, he opened up his mouth, and beginning from Scripture, he preached Jesus to him. So Philip uh, shared with the Ethiopian how he was a sinner, how he should be condemned to die for his sin. However, Jesus came and died in his place to bear his penalty on the cross at Calvary, and Jesus was resurrected three days later. He was charging the Ethiopian eunuch to turn from his sin and trust Jesus Christ as Lord. In fact, uh, Philip would have also shared with the Ethiopian uh, how if he chose to follow Christ, the first step of obedience was to be baptized. That's why in verse 36, he's, as they went along the road, they came to some water. Look at the preacher eyeball to eyeball. Where'd the water come from? God. You don't think the Lord knows what he's doing? So he calls this Ethiopian eunuch to salvation and then provides a watering hole right there beside him so that he might be obedient and be baptized. And so he's like, hey, look, there's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? So Philip said, well, if you believe with all your heart, you may. He answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he ordered the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, and he went on his way rejoicing. So in this text of Scripture, the Lord God was calling the Ethiopian eunuch, and he was away from this particular revival which was occurring in Jerusalem. And so what the Lord did is he said, okay, I'm going to uh, call this Ethiopian eunuch to myself. He's going to be saved. So what I need is somebody to get over there and share the gospel with him because that is how God has ordained people to be converted through the preaching and sharing of the gospel. So God said, I'll tell you what, I'm going I'm to invite Philip to get involved. So he invites Philip and Philip gets over there and he shares the gospel and homeboy saved. That's awesome. So what is the point? The point is this. You, as well as I, are a part of God's strategy to bring people into the kingdom of heaven. So with that principle in mind, Jesus said that we are the light and the salt of the earth. So think with me about Concord for just a moment. As a fellowship, we are a massive flashlight in the hand of God. Are y'all listening? Say yes. 
So what God does is through our lives, he illuminates, and I love the Bible because it says that the gospel is the gospel of light. So he illuminates the light of the gospel into our culture so that it penetrates all of the dark places so that people might see the glorious gospel, so they might see the glorious Father in the face of Jesus Christ. So we share the gospel. We are the light. The Bible also says that we're the salt. Now think with me for just a moment about a salt shaker. I mean a big one, not one of those little bitty ones at your table, but a big, massive, oversized salt shaker. All of us are in it. Y'all all right? And what God does is he picks up Concord salt shaker and he shakes us all over the surrounding counties. What is God doing? Systematically and strategically placing a representative of heaven in those places so that some people might come to Christ. So all of us have been all shook up. I just thought of that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yee-hee. I got some crazy Elvis impressions. See me after church. Now, what's unique, though, whenever you think about this idea being shaken all over the place is that, uh, and I want y'all to listen to me, God, are y'all looking at me and say yes? Look at me, I bought about. God has given you a job strategically because there are people there who need to know the gospel. God has put you in that neighborhood strategically because there are people there who need to hear the gospel. God has uh, put you in that school system because there are students and teachers who need to know the gospel. God has uh, put you in that particular circumstance and trial in your life because people need to know the gospel. So you are not by coincidence just thrown out willy-nilly. God has a strategic plan, and all you and I have to realize is that we are a part of that plan. And the Lord is already working in the hearts of people. Think about that at your workplace. I don't know where you work. Think about where you work, though, for just a moment, uh, especially some of you men. Look at me. Men, look at me. Where you work, you, I know how it is. You get out there and you're like, this is a sorry old job. Drives me nuts. Drives me so much stress going on here. I, I've heard my daddy speak through a lot of people in this place. Y'all all right? My, uh, that didn't come out right, but y'all know what I'm talking about. My daddy, I always heard him growing up here, but complain about where he worked. Y'all listening? And I've heard many men up in here to complain about where they work. L look at the preacher just a moment. That's what the enemy wants you to do. Because he can get you griping about all that mess. You're going to totally miss the fact that he put you there because there's lost people there who need to hear the gospel. So if you look at it and say, well, Lord, maybe I'm, I'm here because I'm a missionary. You got that right. If you drink that down, brother, you will find absolute purpose and significance in the workplace. So you get involved there. God has given you that. And there, what's wild about that is God is already working on people who work in your business. You just don't know about it yet. I don't know about it yet. But the Lord's already working. Just like he's already working on the Ethiopian unit. Philip didn't know that when he popped up to that chariot. But he found out right quick. God's already working in your neighborhood. God's already working in your family. He's got you there. The Lord is calling people to salvation. Involved, uh, literally, the Bible teaches in 2 Peter chapter 3 that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but all would come to everlasting life. So God desires that everybody be saved. So he gives an opportunity through the gospel. And he, the Lord, is reaching out. And you and I are part of God's strategy. But here's the, the second truth, and I'm going to go real fast here. But... Uh, 
you are invited to be part of the strategy. And what's awesome here is that Philip was invited by the Lord. So the Lord just invited him. He got involved, and he did, uh, submitting to the Lord's leadership in his life. He did what the Lord desired and had an opportunity to share the gospel. So as you and I cultivate, are y'all listening say yes? I mean, I'm winding down. I want y'all to pay attention, though. Y'all listening say yes? As you and I cultivate a heart of worship towards the Lord, we submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our life, we will find that God will open up doors all over the place for us to reach out with the gospel. Now, I drive a Ford 500. I told y'all this before. I'm telling you again because it's a sweet ride. Can I get a witness on that? It's basically a Taurus, but they gave it a new name. Didn't make it any cooler. But when I got in that Ford 500, I bought it, it was used, but I drove off that Chevrolet parking lot. Man, I thought that was the sweetest vehicle I'd ever seen in my life. And you know what else I thought? Nobody else has a car like this. I am the only one on the planet. (laughs) It's got a car like this. I didn't mean to spit all over you, brother. I wanted to baptize you though before you left this morning. But I noticed something as I was driving around in that Ford 500. Everywhere I looked, I saw another Ford 500. I'd never seen one before. Now they're everywhere. Everybody won't be like me. (laughs) Now, why is it that all of a sudden I saw those Fords everywhere? It's because I'm in one. Now, as I worship, as I'm driving in the Ford 500 of worship, so to speak, I become overwhelmingly sensitive to those who are outside of the faith. So as I worship the Lord, God gives me a heart like His. And what is His heart all about? Reaching. So as I worship the Lord, I have a desire to reach out to other people. So let me ask you a quick question. Uh, What lost person are you currently praying for by name? What person who does not have a relationship with the Lord, they're outside of the faith, they're far from God, who is the individual by name you're praying for? Uh, If you're drawing a blank in your mind this morning, you ain't serious about worshiping the Lord. When we surrender to the Lord, that's authentic worship. And by grace, we're given the opportunity to see all the ways the Lord is inviting you and I to be part of his strategy. Here's the wild thing, too. You never know the chain of grace events that may occur because of your faithfulness to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, think about this for a moment. I want y'all to listen to this. this is awesome. Y'all ever heard of uh, Mr. E.D. Kimball? Anybody ever heard of him? He was a Sunday school teacher in 1850 at Mount Vernon uh, Church. One Sunday morning, a guest arrived to his class. Uh, the guest was D.L. Moody. Uh, the teacher realized that D.L. Moody did not know the Lord. He was far from God. His heart was heavy for Moody. And he made it a point to visit him at his workplace. D.L. Moody worked at Holton's Shoe Store. So Kimball writes, and I'm just going to quote what he wrote. Listen to what he says. He said, I started downtown to Holton's Shoe Store. When I was nearly there, I began to wonder whether I ought to just then uh, go in, even though it's business hours. And I, I thought maybe my mission might embarrass Moody. That when I went away, the other clerks might ask who I was and... When they learned, they might make fun of Moody and ask if I was trying to make a good boy out of him. While I was pondering over it all, I passed the store without even noticing him. Then when I found I had gone by the door, I determined to make a dash back to the door and have it over at once I was going to share with him. He says, I found D.L. Moody. 
in the back part of the store wrapping up shoes and paper and putting them on shelves. I went up to him and put my hand on his shoulder and as I leaned over, I placed my foot up on a shoe box. And then I made my plea. And I feel that it was a really weak plea. Says, I don't know just what words I used, nor could Mr. Moody tell me. I simply told him of Jesus Christ's love for him and the love that Christ desired in return. That was all there was of it. I think Mr. Moody said afterwards that there were tears in my eyes. It seemed that the young man was just ready for the light that then broke upon him. For there at once, in the back of that store in Boston, the future great evangelist, D.L. Moody, gave his life to Jesus Christ. D.L. Moody became a powerful evangelist. He led many people to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, on one occasion while he was preaching, an individual by the name of J. Wilbur Chapman came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapman, also called by the Lord to preach, uh, was preaching one day when this dude named Billy Sunday got saved. Billy Sunday was an ex-Major League Baseball player, one of the best in the league. And God radically changed his life. Reading a little more about his story, I found that Billy Sunday was sitting with some of uh, his teammates on one occasion on the sidewalk of a street. And he left everything there and said, fellas, I'm leaving this life to do what the Lord desires for me to do. From that day forward, he preached. Billy Sunday was a fireball preacher too, boy. I'm telling you, he was a madhouse. Um, he was a baseball player, so he loved to do all these crazy antics to get everybody's attention. Billy Sunday would slide into the pulpit like it was second base when it was time for him to preach. That's what I'm talking about. So next Sunday when y'all see it. But he preached, and man, you can go and you can watch some old video. While he preached, they would say he would use baseball antics while he was preaching. So while he preached, he would throw his hands over like this, like he was throwing a baseball. And everybody, while he's, could y'all imagine if I preached like that? He's throwing the gospel. Billy Sunday's preaching. While Billy Sunday was preaching on one occasion, this dude named Mordecai Ham came to faith in Jesus Christ. Mordecai Ham became a preacher too. He was preaching on one occasion when a young man named Billy Graham heard the message of Jesus. He was converted to Christ, and you and I both know the impact Billy Graham has had on an international stage. However, all of this started back in 1850 with some dude named E.M. Kimball, a Sunday school teacher. It's amazing, yeah. You never know when you share the gospel what kind of grace event might begin. Now, it's awesome to read stories like that, but I, I like real-life stories, too, that are current. Not that this isn't real life, but a current uh, particular story. You know, this kind of stuff's happening in our fellowship. Did y'all know that? Uh, there's the Kilbys uh, who are here this morning. Where are you guys at? Stand up for just a moment. Uh, Charles and Sherry Kilby, they're our neighbors. They started coming to our church, and, man, we're fired up to have them here. But you know what they did? They started inviting uh, their daughter named Ramona. Ramona's in the house around here somewhere. Ramona uh, came to church, didn't have a relationship with the Lord, but God, through his grace, radically saved her, gave, us her, gave her a relationship with Christ. What's awesome, though, is she began to invite another guy by the name of Mason, who's a teenager. He's not with us this weekend, but Mason prayed to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as well, right out there in the foyer. Leaving the foyer, one particular um, day after church, he looked over at Ramona and said, Ramona, between you and me, we're going to get my mama here to church. 
Next thing I know, I run into an individual by the name of Brandy Culpepper. Brandy, where are you at? Uh, Brandy came to church. Brandy didn't have a relationship with the Lord. God got a hold of her. Then she invited her then boyfriend, John Hollyfield. John Stan, John Hollyfield gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Then John Hollyfield's daughter, Caitlin, she gave her heart to Jesus Christ. So Ramona's been baptized. Mason's been baptized. All three of them been baptized all because the kid was just invited their daughter to church. It's amazing. Amazing, amazing. You guys can be. See, hey, look, you, you never, never know when you share the gospel what God is liable to do. I highly doubt E.M. Kimball ever knew the effect that entering into that shoe store was going to make on America. But he went because the Lord told him to. Now, we watched a movie recently at our house, and um, in the movie, there was an awesome line that this guy used talking about how he, for the very first time, introduced himself to his uh, wife. He said, first time I saw her, she's the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen in my life. And so all I needed in that moment was 20 seconds of insane courage. And I went and introduced myself. As soon as I heard that phrase, I thought, man, that's a good phrase. Insane courage, 20 seconds of it. That's all we need to share the gospel. 20 seconds of insane courage. Hey, that neighbor you've been living next to, you know they need the gospel. That person you work with, you know they need to hear the truth of the gospel. 20 seconds of insane courage. I dare you this week. Share the gospel. God has strategically put you there. You might be overwhelmingly shocked to find that God has already been working in their hearts. And he just uses you. And what's awesome in sharing the gospel is it just invites us to be a part of the fun. Because it's awesome to see people get saved. It's radical to think that there are some people on their way to hell, but now they're on their way to heaven all because of the gospel. And share the gospel. Share the gospel. Don't sit on that, man. If you're saved, share. Tell somebody. <laughs> Y'all all right? That's what we do. If we're going to make disciples everywhere, we worship, we reach, we grow, we serve. But we get out there realizing that God is strategic, and he is inviting us to be a part of the strategy. And then we just do what God's called us to do. And we're shocked at what the Lord's up to. Let's bow. Father, continue to work in hearts and lives.